From the corner of Munson and Civic Center Boulevard, you are listening to a brand new bi-weekly podcast called Into the Depths with the Menor Icebreakers, where we'll take an in-depth look at your Menor Icebreakers and the FPHL as a whole. And I'm alongside Jaron Tennant, Angelo Vallada. we got an exciting episode coming your way, right, Jaron? Yeah, we're going to start off with a conversation with two of our off-ice officials, uh, Scott Tennant, our PA announcer, and Joe Knight, our official scorer, just getting some of their insight on what they do for the team and some of their favorite memories over the past couple of seasons down at the scorer's table. And after that, we have our fan mailbox segment with GM Nick Russo. Yep, and also just want to throw a quick reminder, they are down to the final four in the mascot tournament. Right now you can vote. It is a battle between Dash of the Dashers and Winston and Salem for the Carolina Thunderbirds. Unfortunately, Slam didn't get enough votes in our round, but of course our favorite here in Menor, Ohio. And want to tell you, you got to go to the team store at MenorIceBreakers.com. Lots of really cool merchandise that's been added there. For $10, you can get a Mentor Icebreakers Neck Gator. There's pint glasses available with the Icebreakers logo etched onto them. Bamboo coasters, jersey koozies, even Mentor Icebreakers golf balls. So lots of really cool stuff. I know, Jared, you're taking a look at it right now. And a Mentor Icebreakers shot glass. So lots of cool stuff that you can, uh, you know, have during the season. If you're watching the game at home, you can enjoy yourself a beverage while watching it in one of these. And uh, some really cool stuff in addition to the cornhole boards that were added and all of the other merchandise as well. Yeah, you don't want to forget those cornhole boards. Those are still available. But it's, re- it's really a luxury in, in this league having that online store. Not every team has that. And it's really cool to be able to have fans order their merchandise online. So check that out for sure. And you can get it all available at MenorizeBurgers.com. Just click the Team Store tab. Are you looking for an affordable way to promote your business? We're currently looking for sponsors on the Into the Depths podcast. We have multiple opportunities available and can customize packages to fit your needs. If you're interested, please contact Tim Walker at 440-391-3050 or timw at mentoricebreakers.com. Again, that's Tim Walker at 440-391-3050 or timw at mentoricebreakers.com. So we're joined alongside now by PA announcer Scott Tennant and official scorer Joe Knight. And uh, guys, thanks for joining us. And it's going to be exciting for the icebreakers to hear some stories from the box. But let's just start off and uh, tell us a little bit about how you guys got involved with the organization. Okay, well, a um, buddy of mine, he was the he signed up to be one of the gold judges for opening night. And uh, I went to the first game, and he texted me. He's like, hey, are you here? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you want to be a, want to be a penalty box guy? They're kind of short on people. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Where do I go? And uh, he's like, well, things are kind of hectic right now. Uh, probably just better wait till the next game. So I think uh, I just showed up at the next game, went to the office where he told me to. And I don't remember if it was Ian or Jared, but someone just – shoves me uh shoves an ipad in my face and says here figure it out so i go down to the score box and um yeah it was it was not pretty just trying to run a computer program i wasn't familiar with and they wanted me to run the scoreboard too and it was it was a lot but it was fun it was definitely a learning experience and i i learned a lot about hockey that night that i didn't know i didn't know so that's that's kind of my intro to it Yeah. And, you know, my story is probably similar to Joe's in that it's, you know, you know, someone within the organization, in my case, it's Jared, uh, since I've lived with him for the last 22 years. But, uh, you know, early on in the life of the organization, Jared said, hey, 
you know, we need some penalty box guys to sub in. So like Joe, I work the penalty box, which is a lot of fun, but also pretty hectic because not only are you keeping track of penalties and working with the officials to make sure guys get in and out of the box at the right times, but you're also keeping track of shots. So it's, you know, you're constantly on alert, right? Uh, and then I did a few other things. I played the national anthem before a few games. Uh, and then, you know, I've got quite a bit of uh, PA announcing experience through Wycliffe High School sports that I do. So uh, Jared asked me, hey, can you sub in as, as the PA guy? which I did on and off over the first couple of seasons and about the midpoint of the season last year, I uh, took over full time as the PA announcer. So it was uh, sort of do whatever was needed and eventually you kind of fall into a role, I guess. Could you guys talk a little bit about what your role is just on every game day? What's it like when you come in, what do you do during the game? And I guess after the game as well. Well, I'll take this one first from the PA announcer's perspective. Uh, you know, I try to get there a good hour and a half ahead of time, uh, just for several reasons, not the least of which is that I like to become familiar with the visiting team's roster. You know, I know the icebreakers pretty well. Uh, and Angelo, you could speak to that, how, you know, we're always – uh, concerned about making sure we're pronouncing guys' names correctly. And, uh, you know, you, it's one of the great things about the FPHL. You've got guys from all over the world. So sometimes there are uh, names that you'll look at and say, okay, I need help <laughs> with this one. So if there's a visiting broadcaster, you know, I'll go talk to him about how names are pronounced or if, uh, a trainer, in some cases a coach I've talked to from the other teams. So, you know, you want to make sure you familiarize yourself with uh, guys on both rosters uh, I also have uh, a lot of sponsor reads that I have to do throughout the game. So, you know, I'll talk with icebreaker staff about that, about, you know, what are we uh, reading or what are we saying over the PA system at what times? Because there's definitely a sequence and almost a scripting to the way things go. And hopefully it comes out on the other end sounding pretty smooth and you don't realize that it's, that it's sort of scripted out. And, and just generally, you know, walking down to that official scorers table and I've got my own little setup where I'll tape up rosters and stats and you know announcements up on the glass uh, around me and just uh, you know get comfortable with the system and it's it's one of those things where 90 minutes sometimes is barely enough and Joe and I actually have a system worked out where I will walk to the officials room to get the names of the officials and Joe will go and get the starters for for both teams and so we help each other out that way as well. Now, before Joe answers, Scott, uh, have you ever had it happen? Because I can admit it's happened to me where for whatever reason you get set on the, um, the wrong pronunciation of a visiting player. And then it is so hard to remember what you're trying to say correctly because you've got it in your head. It's something else because that, that's happened to me, at least I know. Yeah, I, and I've changed mid-game when I've been corrected. Or I have the advantage of being down near the player benches. So I have literally walked over to the visiting team's bench, and I'll, I'll ask the guy himself. Or sometimes if he has the decency to commit a penalty so that he's right next to me in the penalty box, then I only have to just poke my head around the glass and ask. But you're right, there is a mental adjustment, because you and I, I know we're both sticklers for accuracy when it comes to pronunciation. So you get it etched in your brain, and when you have to stop and change mid-game, that, that's – that takes a little bit of an effort for sure. Like when you're basically broadcasting the Czech Republic national team or something of that nature, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think Peter Panacek. No, see, he's at Panacek. Oh. oh, Jared, see, it's going to get stuck in my head. I owe Peter Panacek, I should say his name like five times just to make up for it. I didn't realize that. I thought I had it down, but 
Peter Panachik is the name. Yeah, I do remember the yeah. Carolina fans weren't too happy with you last nah, year. And I it, tried. I like the mispronunciation. <laughs> but, Joel, what about you? Uh, um, what's your role on game day like? Well, first and foremost, when I get to the rink, first thing I'm doing is looking for pizza. So I am I am the person who's always running around with a piece of pizza hanging out of his mouth or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, after that, here on episode four. <laughs> After that, I uh, I go down to the score box, get my computer set up, plug into the internet, just just to make sure everything's working right. Because probably one of the in the first few games, there was always internet issues, and people from the league were calling and screaming that oh the Wait, timing there were got internet issues. Oh, there's always internet issues. <laughs> there's always internet issues. I say that in jest because we we had that like you know minutes before we would go on the air. It was like oh it's down. You know, and then that mad scramble of everybody, all hands on deck to get the game on. Luckily with YouTube, it was a lot easier. But yeah, that first year was pretty crazy. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, the scoring program the league uses it, it's online. It runs through the browser, and it that's the clock I run. That's what people see if they go on the league website for like the live play-by-play feed of the game. But um, yeah, so after I get my computer set up. Uh, it's kind of waiting till the coaches have their lineups ready. And the rule is I have to, they have to have it ready within 15 minutes of the game. So it's kind of usually just a wait. And then it's chasing the coaches around for the lineup. And I have to hurry up and plug the entire roster into the, uh, into the computer system and make sure all the player numbers are right. And just to make sure who's the starters, make sure all the score sheets are right. And then uh, kind of sit back and wait for the game to start. Joe's very vital to our broadcast getting started because we wait and he brings us the starters, which, you know, we need. We're already trying to get a bunch of other things ready. So Joe always helps us out with that. But down there for both of you guys, one thing that came uh, to me when we were going to have this talk is how noisy is it down there in the scores box? Because you got the benches shouting, officials and players are talking or screaming, and the echo off the ice. Is it difficult to block out all that white noise and concentrate on your job? Joe, I think you have a bit of a, a different experience at this than I do for a reason that I'll talk about in a minute. But what, what's it like for you? Yeah, as far as the benches go, I mean, there's two pieces of plexiglass between us and either bench. But where it gets really hectic is when there's guys in the penalty box that have just, you know, come in after a fight and they're both just screaming and yelling at each other. And you can hear the coaches screaming and yelling at the officials. And, you know, Larry, love Larry, but sometimes he plays the music a little bit too loud. So that makes it hard to hear. And then we get the fans screaming and yelling. Love the fans. You guys are awesome. But it, it makes it really hard to hear. And sometimes the refs are just um, not the best at communicating. So we got to kind of scream and yell at them. They got to scream and yell at us. And we're only talking through a four-inch diameter little hole in the glass. So it gets it gets hectic. And then I got, you know, I have Scott asking me questions. I have the guy behind me filling up the score sheet asking me questions. I got the clock, guy next to me asking questions how much time he's putting on the clock. Then you got the guys in the box asking how long they're in for or what they're in for. And it's – it's it's choreographed chaos as well. Joe, what I see really. why you start off with a slice of pizza. Oh yeah, I, I mean, need that energy, and you know, I'll probably drink <laughs> two or three sodas throughout the night. That's just keep my energy up. You think the guys on the ice are tired? We we get really exhausted in that box. And I think from the PA announcer's perspective, it's a little different and a bit of an easier experience in that I have a set of headphones on, so 
you know, a lot of that is blocked out. In fact, you know, when, when the refs come over to give us information on goals or penalties and things, I have to take the headphones off really quick. Uh, but usually the only thing in my ear, uh, Joe made reference to Larry. He's talking about Larry Rummel, who is, uh, gosh, who's responsible for that incredible game day, uh, largely responsible for that incredible game day experience that fans have. And I, and I hope the fans appreciate that at the FPHL level, what Larry and his team create is, is pretty amazing with yeah, the great. show on the ice and the sound and the music and so forth. And that's, uh, boy, he, you know, he's a guy who would love to have on the podcast one time. I'd love to hear him just talk about his passion for that. But well, Larry is generally the only one in my ear because he will tell me things like, hey, Scott, in this next stoppage and play, don't make an announcement. We're going to play a video. Or during the introductions, I wait to get the cue from Larry before I, I go into, and now you're men are icebreakers. And then, you know, we go into the, the starters and so forth. So for me, the chaos is lessened by those headphones a little bit. Uh, it, it just when I have to get out of that little headphone bubble to get information that I experience a little bit of what Joe spends the entire night experiencing. I guess you kind of touched on this, but, um, you know, the whole process of obtaining, communicating that information about scoring plays, you guys are the two responsible for that. Is that kind of difficult with everything going on? What is that whole entire process? Like, do you guys get upset if you don't announce the right uh, players on the scoring plays? Joe, I, it's funny. You and I talk about this. It depends largely on the ref, right? Because some refs are, uh, I think some yeah. refs are more communicative and louder than others when it comes to, because when a ref skates over to, when there's a goal scored, it, you know, he'll just give us numbers. He'll say 15 from 31 and 37, meaning 15 scored the goal, assist to 31 and 37. And a lot of times it's this really low voice when the music's going on and everything. And we're like, wait, wait, what, what, what? And you have to yell through that four inch diameter hole for him to come back. And uh, I, I've seen Joe get on refs pretty hard sometimes when we, <laughs> when they're not communicating with us. I let him take on that bad cop role. Yeah, every now and again, you know, we'll just hit the buzzer to make them come back over. Even if they're ready to start a face off, it's like, no, I'm, I'm not putting, we're not starting the clock till I have this information to put in and write down. And, um, and with penalties, sometimes they'll just, you know, do the hand signal and skate away and no one is paying attention. Even when there's four of us in there and we got to make them come back or sometimes they don't even know what they call the penalty for. So I don't know, two minutes for, for I don't know, hooking and just skate away and, <laughs> We all kind of look, we all we all look at each other and just go, okay. So you got that buzzer over there. It's like your own uh, game show here, like comeback ref with Joe <laughs> Knight and Scott Tennant. That's right. And you know, one time I always laugh about this. There was a ref uh, who's worked several icebreakers games who came over, and it was a penalty. Uh, guys had gotten into a little bit of a scrap, not a full fledged drop the gloves or anything. And so he's telling us the penalties, and he says two minutes for. I don't know, roughing? And I said, I don't know, you tell us. Like, <laughs> You're I mean, asking me? Clearly making up, the, I said, I, I will announce whatever you want to announce, but you got to tell me the penalty, but this is not my job to I figure out what the infraction say at that time. Case. Yeah, you had the final say, Scott. I mean, yeah, I, you I could have I... said like roughing the passer and throwing everybody <laughs> off or something. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's, it's, I'll tell you, there's a lot of communication, not only from on ice to off ice, but among those of us who are at the scorer's table too. Before I make a goal announcement, I want to make sure that I'm on the same page as everyone else. And, and Jared, you alluded to this. Guys will come over, and they're, they're generally very nice about it, but they'll say, hey, you know, change that second assist to 
mm-hmm. whomever, or, uh, or you miss this guy in the assist and we'll tell them, Hey, we just go by what the ref tells us. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, it's a, it's at a level that's very uh, professional and courteous and, you know, guys want credit for their, their stats and they should get that. Now from a breakers broadcast booth kind of perspective, we, sometimes think we have who scored or got the assist or if there was two guys on the assist and a lot of times we wait for uh your announcement as the pa as confirmation if it was kind of cloudy or if there was a lot of action so it's interesting how even we're all the way up there you guys are down there but you know joe's giving us the starters we're waiting for your confirmation on something or maybe a penalty because you know you can't tell what happened one guy went in the box and he came out then another guy went in the box but then the original guy went back in so we wait for your confirmation a lot of time to make sure we had the right call so it's cool how the cohesion you know all across across the arena um with that being said what about both of your guys favorite parts of the job um i'd say my favorite part is just being literally almost right smack dab in the middle of the action because it's it's really I mean, we don't have the best views since we're kind of right up against the glass and there's obstructions right to our other side. But, I mean, we're right in the middle of it. We hear everything there is to hear. For the most part, we can see everything that goes on. And then I think just being a part of it and being an important part of it makes it really cool because that's one of my things. Like, I'm really into racing and, you know, hockey, of course. And just sitting watching isn't really enough. So being part of it and actually being able to do something important, that's, that's what makes it really cool for me. Yeah. And you know, for me, it's, uh, I, I think it's largely hearing the fans reaction to things because you know, your job as a public address announcer is to, your main job is to enhance the experience for the fans, whether that's giving them information on the game, whether that's trying to pump up the energy at the right times without overdoing it. There's kind of a delicate balance there. And you know, I think of PA announcers largely as I think of offensive linemen in football, right? You know, the less you realize they're there, the better the job they're doing, uh, right? You know, it's the show is the players. The show is the game. The show is not the guy on the PA. The guy on the PA is just trying to take what is already a great experience and maybe uh, up at a notch for you. So, uh, you know, for me, I can, I'll take off the headphones sometimes just to hear how fans are reacting to certain moments of the game or to certain announcements or whatever it might be. Well, you guys both do a great job at your, your roles. Well, we appreciate that. And it's a lot of fun. I will say it's uh, you know, wouldn't trade it for anything. Can't wait. Can't wait for a season to start. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I'll thanks. It's, you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Thanks. It's, um, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's kind of cool when we all have to work together and it's definitely a really neat experience. So you talked a little bit about, you know, trying to get fan reactions. How often would you just say something just to hear what the fans have to say? I know you had mentioned like when the visiting team comes on during warmups, you'd announce them just to get the fans to boo a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Do you know where I got that was uh, there was a guy for the old Cleveland Lumberjacks back in the nineties at the Richfield Coliseum and later at the, what was then Gund Arena, a guy named Mike Hadel who did the PA announcing. He was a great hockey PA announcer. And this actually, it's the moment right when the visiting team skates on before the opening face-off. So, you know, right before the start of the first period. And Mike would always, uh, he would always just say in this very understated voice, the Peoria Rivermen or, you know, the Detroit Vipers. And of course, that people took that as their cue to just boo to their heart's content. And I said, I'm borrowing that. That's a good one. So you will, you will hear me right before opening face-off when the other team comes out say, the Port Huron Prowlers. 
the Danville Dashers, you know, and then of course people, they, they know what that means. It's time. It to works. Do. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely <laughs> love that. You know, anytime I can uh, rain booze down on a guy like Joe Pace Jr. Uh, that I'm going to do it. Who probably know? secretly loves it because oh, he loves it. And can I say this? He can flipped I it that? to the penalty box. The one if you know, yeah. Oh yeah. If you know, Joe Pace, you know, you, you're kind of, he's a polarizing guy for Port Huron. You know, he's been in this league forever and ever. And, uh, I know there's a lot of people that don't like Joe. I think Joe's a lot of fun, and he's actually a real nice guy to talk to. He'll poke his head around when he's in the penalty box, which some games is a lot. And just, hey, what are you guys doing? Hey, what's, what's going on over there? <laughs> hey, what's on that paper right there? Hey, what, what penalty did I get? What one do I get out? Yeah. And like you said, Angelo, yeah. this past season, he did a somersault into the penalty box. We could not believe it. We're like, what are we watching right now? <laughs> You either think of Joe as a clown or as, you know, a good addition to the game. And I tend to think of him more as the latter just because he really is a nice guy when you talk to him. And he is good on the ice. I mean, he, he had some uh, dimension on the ice as well, but he has fun with it. So, I mean, hey, you got to amuse yourself sometimes too. So in your, both of your past two years with the icebreakers, do you have any really funny or memorable moments you've had that you can remember? Um, I think the probably the funniest – moment i've had was um i forget who we were playing but there was it was like a scuffle or a fight and it was it was like brody or volkoskis or uh Essary and some other guy and the ref just comes over and i have to paraphrase here but it's two minutes for being idiots and I think we all just broke out laughing because it was just one of those, you know, just either it was someone being someone being stupid. It's like, yeah, I kind of wish that was a penalty, an option I could click and, you know, put that in for the whole world to see. But and for Scott I, I got to get charged. Two minutes, two minutes for idiocy. <laughs> I, I would die for that. I would love that. You know, the problem is, and I think Joe can attest to this, some of the best stories you cannot relate in a family friendly podcast because as you might imagine the language uh you know down in the penalty box and between the benches is is colorful it's salty for sure and uh, some of the insults guys throw at each other are so incredibly creative that it's like wow you you had to think mark essery is great at chirping at other guys (laughs) really good and he's a guy that when you're in the penalty box with him you'll just be talking just back and forth with him, he'll go, hold on a sec. And then he'll just yell over the other penalty box, something completely unprintable. And then he'll just come right back and, uh, you know, and resume the conversation as if nothing had happened while the other guy's yelling back at him. But So he's not just cussing and stuff. He's coming up with a creative oh, way to. creative, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, I'll tell you, it's a, it's a talent, I think. He's got years of experience. Uh, but, but I'll tell you, a guy that I miss uh, from my penalty box days was uh, Tomas DeVave who is, you know, the defenseman who is what? Uh, yeah, the well, Swiss Army right, knife, right? That's what we and, called yeah. him up in our area. And so he, uh, so I, you know, I, as it turned out, I took many years of French in, uh, you know, in school and in college. And so one of the first times Tomas was in there, I, I just started speaking French to him. He's like, you speak French? And I'm like, oh, not well. So he ended up getting three or four minor penalties that that game. And so every time he came in, he would ask me questions in French or I would ask, you know, a hockey term and what's the French equivalent. And at some point, he was having such a good time with it. I swear he hooked a guy just to get back in the box, just so we could just, you know, throw some French back and forth and just talk about a nice kid, you know, tough when he had to be, had some skill and, uh, you know. And you could understand the French enough, like full questions? Uh, Yeah, because when you do it for so many years that, you know, there are only so many 
words you need to know to at least have a, a general sense of what's going on. But, you know, it's the spe specific hockey terms that he taught me. Mm -hmm. uh, the gardien de but is uh, the goalie, which the literally gardien means guardian, guardian of the goal or keeper of the goal. We should so throw that in a broadcast next year. Because oh, Jake yeah. Mullen is from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is, I don't know if he's French at all, but his uh, hometown is French settled. So maybe, what was that? The Gardien de Bleu? Gardien de Bleu. I like the accent. Yeah. You, got, you have to say, you can't say Guardian de Bleu, like just in straight English dialect. Guardian de Bleu. Guardian de Bleu. <laughs> I'll see what I could do if we All get right. some more French guys in the league. So. This is kind of going back to that whole penalty box thing, but you notice that some teams are kind of more talkative than others. Like, can you really tell down there when the icebreakers are playing against one of their rivals? Um, yeah, Elmira and Carolina. The two guys or the two teams we probably hate the most. That's that's where the most jawing comes from back and forth and the most fights. So uh yeah, Elmira and Carolina, they they don't like us, we don't like them, and it is it is not a hidden fact. There is no love loss between these three teams and it it gets loud, it gets very, very raunchy. It it makes me blush, and I've I've been known to say some words a time or two, and it, it makes me blush. So it it gets really crazy down there with those two teams. We we know who, they make their presence known. If there's a Saturday night game, it's a good thing church is the next morning. So, <laughs> and and you know Elmira too. It's funny. This started last year when I have to announce one minute less than one minute remaining second period, and then there was a group of fans who would yell something right when I would say that and I finally had to ask on the on the icebreakers Facebook forum because I had these headphones on and I can't hear across like what are you guys saying and it's after I say one minute one minute remaining this group of fans which grew in size as the season went on last year they'll yell back and Elmira still sucks so that's regardless if they're playing Elmira and right. I didn't oh, realize yeah, that who we're playing yeah it, it, it's even funnier when you're uh you know it's an after the game against Battle Creek, and that's what they're yelling after the one-minute mark. But And I didn't know they were saying it either, to be honest. I asked Jared because, you know, we're kind of laser-focused on doing the broadcast, so I'm not really paying attention to what a group of fans – I just say they always say something after he says that. But that it, I didn't realize it till late last year that that's what they were saying. But, you know, to echo what Joe said, yeah, there, there's definitely a different feel against those teams – the, the rivalry type teams and then the yapping between the benches, the chirping just goes up another couple of notches and it doesn't matter. It's every face off. It's every shift guys are talking, talking, talking. And it's, uh, it's pretty entertaining actually to listen to from our perspective. I might be the only person that cares to ask, but what was the battle Creek bench? Like just because there was such a unique anomaly with everything. Were they just kind of out of the game or were they still really like uh you know, trying to fight about stuff too. Well, you know, I go back to that MLK day afternoon game against them when they had what, 11 guy or 10 guys show up because, you know, they had the bus trouble. And then, uh, you know, we had to actually loan them a player who, uh, who signed right there on the ice, right next to me, signed his one game contract with them. Wow. And uh, it, I, I'll tell you what impressed me that day. If you remember Battle Creek put up a really good fight in that game. They did. And largely to your point, Angela, to your question, they really were, supporting each other from the bench. And I think it was just kind of this underdog mentality of, you know what, this is our situation. We're going to make the best of it. We're going to play our best. And you saw the result. They, uh, 
it came within a goal of earning at least a point in well, that game. Wasn't it 1-1 going into the third, I want to say? It was close. It was something like that, yeah. Yeah, so they, that was one of the more impressive efforts I have seen from a visiting team, given their situation last yeah, year, yeah. which was we all saw the final results. It was, it was pretty rough. Yeah, Battle Creek, I mean, they, you know, their on-ice product was never really anything, just you know, looking at the stats. But, I mean, we, I could, we could always hear the coach. We could hear the players. They, they, were, they were playing the game. They were really putting their hearts into it. There was no slacking or anything. They, they were in it to win it, even, even though it, you know, they only did it once. But they were never – they never seemed like a – underdog just slack off all right well I guess we suck kind of team it's they were they were playing every minute every game and yeah there's, you there's give a lot roster a lot of credit that. I mean they they were dealt a, a very bad hand and they made the most of, I mean that's what I've heard from a lot of people is that they always fought even when they didn't have you know prayer or a chance to do it I mean and you like that playing hard all the way down the stretch you, you look at like the Indians last series with the Pirates who had wrapped up the first pick going into next year's already and the pirates were playing like you know it's the world series you know you like to see that from a team it's a good and a good thing to show is like young players like hey it might not be your year or you might not even really have had a year but you still got to go out there and play yeah hockey is an emotional sport right it, it, it is a sport obviously there's skill and there's tactical know-how and all that but in the end it's it, it is a sport that is built on passion and an emotion and at all levels of hockey you see that and that's what that's why it's the greatest sport in the world in my very unbiased opinion yeah that that mlk game that was uh, i think that was the one time i was rooting for the away away team to win i think we just all wanted to see battle creek win especially since when they won in elmira how their video crew just cut away from them and went right to the enforcers bench so I think everyone kind of got cheated on what was a really heartfelt celebration. So we, I was, at least I was hoping to be able to see that in person. And Jared and myself would openly root for the Rumblebees when we were looking at the scores from around the league, like during intermission and think like, all right, Rumblebees are in this one. It's not out. They always <laughs> found a way though. They always found a way. I'll give them credit for that. There's no matter what was going on in that game, they always found a way to lose. Is that credit really though? <laughs> it is impressive in any pro league. In a very Browns-like way, I hate to say it. But, yeah, it was very Brownsy in the way they Maybe lost. that's what it was. We've been trained all these years watching the Browns, so we have, like, a soft spot for teams like that. Yeah, def definitely. Um, <laughs> forgot where I was going. But, yeah, I was, I mean, there was just always a little bit of hope that the uh, – I mean, they had, even if they didn't win, that it would be close and a respectable win or a respectable loss – but just kind of from where we were last season, taking so long or, you know, going so deep into the season, we finally got our first one is that that feeling of, all right, this team can do it. You know, it's something to be proud of, something to really get behind. But even if they don't, you know, they're still the home team and just got to get behind them and support them the best you can. Our last question we have is, What's made you stick around this long? I mean, it's you're not getting paid. It's low-level minor league hockey. What's made you want to keep doing this with the icebreakers? Um, I'm just having fun, and honestly, it really, I, it's something to be a part of. It's something to do on a weekend. 
and I, I really feel like I have a, a place within the team and that in and of itself is just a wonderful thing. And between that and it just being a total blast, sometimes it can be stressful, but in the long run, it's worth it. It's, it's part of being something bigger than yourself. And as cheesy as it sounds, that's really what it is. And, you know, it's good company sitting next to Scott and Greg and Fred in the box and dealing with you guys on a regular basis. It's just a really good time. Yeah, we, we have more fun in there than we probably have any right to, quite honestly. But, uh, and I will say for me, it, it's the same kind of thing. It's, uh, it, it is such a fun experience. I, I enjoy PA announcing in general. I've been doing it, uh, as I mentioned earlier, mostly at Wycliffe High School for the band and most of the sports for the past seven years or so. And when you have the chance to, you know, get on that mic and kind of, you know, pump up the emotion or, you know, make the experience better for a fan or for a player, that is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do that any day of the week. You just, uh, you just tell me the, uh, the venue and give me a mic and tell me what the start time is and I'm showing up because, uh, like I said, it is, it is such a great time and I cannot wait for the season to start. Yeah, it'll be good to get that going and hear you know, taking the ice from or ice breakers and Larry's light show going and then seeing the guys come out and we got that first puck drop and then all will be right in the world for at least that 60 minutes of a hockey game. Absolutely. Go breakers. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Joe Knight, official scorer of the men or icebreakers, Scott Tennant, the public address announcer for the men or icebreakers, joining us today and giving us an inside look being part of the off-ice official crew, and we thank you both for joining us here on this morning and uh, really appreciate it. I think the Fanatics will enjoy hearing your guys' point of view as well. Thanks. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank you. I had a blast. All right, take care, guys. See you soon. Hey, Fanatics, we are really excited to announce that we will be releasing a Men or Icebreakers Information Guide Collectible Keepsake. We are taking those reserves now, which you can do through our team website at the team store. The Collectible Keepsake will be jam-packed with first and most, Icebreakers history, collectible autographs, full roster profiles, features on the coaching staff and players, and much, much more. For $15, you'll be able to keep this keepsake and take it home and have everything Icebreakers at your fingertips and a professionally bound book to keep in display. Reserve yours today and go Icebreakers! All right, we're joined alongside General Manager and Director of Hockey Operations, Nick Russo, for the second edition of the Fan Mailbox. And, Nick, we really appreciate you coming on today to answer all the Fanatics' questions. Thanks, Angelo. Love doing it. So let's get right into what the Fanatics want to know. It's kind of all across the board. And the first one is, what is the strangest pregame ritual for any player on the team? <laughs> well, I, I don't know about players, um, I know personally for 30-something years, mine has been I either have to have pasta or Chinese on game day. Um, a real common one is um, taking naps. Uh, every, every player takes a nap before the game. Uh, but actually in the locker room, um, I've seen uh, guys, you know, the normal stuff is they have to put one side of their equipment on first, one side, the, you know, the other side next. Um, but the strangest one is uh, I had a goalie once. Or we, we have a goalie. We had a goalie. He won't mention his name. But he has to spit on his hands before each game. Wow. 
That's unique. That's a that's a unique one for sure. Well, here's the question that I think you've been asked maybe once or twice in passing on the air, off the air. But any update on the league and season, and any clue what the league is leaning towards? Well, right now, um, we we've been having ob- obviously many many meetings. Um, the uh, start date for the league will be in December, hopefully. Um, the, again, yet to be determined. Finally. Um, everybody's starting a little bit different times because of building schedules. Um, a lot of buildings that play in the league um, are, are big buildings like Elmira and Columbus, and they get events booked. So uh, it looks like we, uh, hopefully the icebreakers, will be getting started here at home in the middle of December um, and then, uh, you know, playing through the middle of April. Um, again, we do have a, a pretty final schedule, but we're going to meet as governors again November 4th, you know, to make sure that we could still go December on November 4th. If teams can't go yet because state, you know, many states are different. Um, we'll reevaluate that and push for a January date. Okay. But still planning on playing. So that's, that's good for all the fans out there. And we'll keep you updated when we have anything a little bit more concrete. Well, I'm looking at the schedule in my hand right now, but we all know we could set that on fire tomorrow. So, <laughs> so we, yeah, keep posted. We'll let you know. But uh, at least it's it's definitely still looking like uh, they're trying to make it happen. Now let's turn. Let's let's say things are going to happen and we're going to get on the ice. So the next question is an on ice type question. How are the special teams looking? And they had alluded that they believed that the power play last year was a big issue. Well, it was. Um, you know, if you, I mean, statistics don't lie. I mean, they're not a crutch, but they're a good guide. Um, we were not very strong on the power play. Um, we gave up some, a lot of goals, penalty killing. Um, I, we, we've really tried to address that in the off season. Um, we're bringing in a lot of firepower, uh, bigger guys, uh, can play more physical in front of the net. Cause as you know, you know, we didn't have a big net presence last year and I think that's going to make a big difference. Um, and, uh, you know, the D getting the puck to that net so that those guys can do their work down low. Now, personal question for you. What's been your favorite part of Mentor? Uh, the people. Well, the fans, first of all, and I'm not just saying that because you're listening, um, you know, diehard fans. I love you guys. Um, I know you didn't understand a lot of things I was doing last year, but um, believe me, if I could tell you, I would. Um, but uh, the fans are great. And the, the city of Mentor, um, the people are just really friendly and really outgoing. I've been here a little over a year now, and it's just a great community, and it's great to be a part of. How do you think our current group stacks up against the rest of the league? Um, well, I, you know, I, I think it stacks up real well. Again, we went after a little bit different niche. We went after a lot of college players that are, you know, D1 club players, D3. Um, we definitely, uh, we definitely went after size. Like I said, um, I, I believe we have as much skill as anybody in the league. So it's just going to come down to who travels well. And as you know, it's, uh, who stays healthy throughout the uh, season. You got to stay well. That's a key for sure. Now, what are some of the things you've been working on this offseason, and what kind of work do you have coming up over the next few weeks in your role with the team as general manager and director of hockey operations? Well, right now we're working with the city. Um, you know, the, they've been great. We're trying to get our seating capacity higher because, as you know, in here in Ohio, it's we're limited to how many people you can have in the building, et cetera. So that's on my front burner. Um, we've basically been dormant for three months, meaning no income because of, um, you know, no ticket sales and things like that. So 
uh, the next month or so, I'm really going to be working on our financial deficit. Um, and obviously, the number one thing on everybody's list, the COVID policy. I'm working hard with our trainer, Sean, on that. Yeah, it's, you got your hands full with a lot of very unique things this year for sure. Um, now we're going to turn back to something more team-related. And what do you think is the most important aspect of having a total buy-in from the entire roster? Well, it's, it's everything. Culture is everything. Um, you know, part of being a, a, a newer team, um, I, I love startups because of your guys. Um, this team coming in now is going to have mine and Sebastian's fingerprints all over it. Um, you create a culture and you really have to, you know, to win championships is one thing, but you got to get everybody on the same page from, you know, how late you're staying up at night to, you know, uh, what you're eating and things like that. So we're trying to create a culture and bring in guys that can cultivate that culture to what we want. And that is a total buy-in. You know, as a follow-up question, just for myself, thinking, I know you've had tremendous success coaching, you know, Rusted High School. How long did it take you to get the culture in place for there, you know, at the high school level where, because, you know, you come into a system, whether it's a high school or, or a pro team like the Icebreakers, and, you know, you got to get your system in place. So w what was that kind of process like at the high school level? Well, it, it, it's kind of funny because I, I went to West Texas and watched how they do football, similar to Mentor High School. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they start the kids really young in elementary school, and I was fortunate enough to, to – to not only start the high school team, but a middle school team and an elementary school team. Uh, I'm sorry, elementary school team. Um, at one point, you can see the picture over there on my um, filing cabinet. We had over 130 players in the organization and uh, nine teams. Wow. Um, but the culture starts right away. I mean, we had two high schools that split to become our third high school, and they hated each other. You know, the the um, Westchester Henderson Warriors and the Westchester East Vikings. So I kind of used that and said, okay, what do you get when you mix a warrior with a Viking? You get a knight. We are the Golden Knights. Nice. So that kind of created the culture, and within three years we won our first state championship. That's a pretty good turnaround, I mean, from dividing a school and, ha and then combining them and th a couple of years later winning a state title, winning it all, and then doing it over and over. You know, I think that's the thing. You know, it is hard to stay on top, but getting there to get that initial everybody is on the same page that's the key right yeah yeah and it's a culture that they've created now where they learn it in elementary school and it just you almost let people down and that's what i want to try to create here in mentor you know you look at the yankees and the montreal canadians and great dynasties in mm -hmm. sports and it's the locker room when you sit in that locker room and know that maurice richard the rocket sat there 50 years prior you know you, you're obligated to perform that's, yeah. that's what you want to create, and that's what we want to create here in Mentor. Well, around here, there's Kirtland High School is a great football program. They've won five state titles over the last 10 years. I was just talking with their coach, Tiger Laverde, and he said that, uh, you know, their kids in elementary and junior high, they, go to the, they don't go home after school. They go to the weight room. That's all they know is that 365 days, oh, I'm in sixth grade. It's normal that after school that we're going to do things to get ready to help build the Kirtland dynasty more and more. So once that becomes the normal, then, you know, you just keep going on. And that's what, when you went back to, when we go back to that last question, yes, that's the culture. That's what we're creating here. You know, you got Josh Newberg, a seasoned veteran, been in the, you know, 30 plus years old, you know, guys that went to college and have played in college for four years. You're not t getting the typical 18 year old kid from wherever. Well, we will have a few of those, but, it's the culture that they bring with them, and it's that dedication to the weight room and the stuff like that. 
So the next question from the Fanatics is, do you run with seven defensemen, one being a utility guy that could step up onto the forward line? Well, as you know, in this league, anything can happen. I mean, you know, one time at Villanova, I had to dress the mascot um, because of injuries. But um, if everybody's healthy, and, and that'd be maybe a better question for Sebastian. For me, I always like one extra guy that can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll see that um, um, Henry Berger did that a lot last year. He played both forward and deep. We had a bunch of guys do that. So I think that's important to have that go-to guy, you know, that could, that could fill in anywhere. Yeah, and he had a lot of experience. I know he was saying when we interviewed him playing uh, forward before playing, you know, switching over to defense. So it's nice to have some versatility. Yeah, it's a lot easier to go to offense than just go to defense, as you know from a coach. Yes, yep. And we got one more question from our fanatics, which we really appreciate all these questions at the fan mailbox. And I know uh, Nick Russo always happy to answer anything you throw his way. So this one is, how often is the checking line called to play against the opponent's number one line? Well, you know, we didn't have as much depth last year as everybody else, so it's, it's very difficult. Um, I think when you're undermanned like we were a little bit last year, you kind of go got to go best on best. Um, and that showed in our record, obviously. Um, ideally, um, in, in pro hockey, your third or fourth line in, in the NHL is instrumental. If the fourth line can steal a shift, that's fantastic. You got to have a great third line. You got to have that checking line like you're talking about. Every one of my championship teams at every level and here in Mentor this year, those guys are the guys who are going to have to shut down the other team. And if they come off even, then we're gravy. Then, you know, then you're in they the They did their shot. job. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was Fan Mailbox with General Manager and Director of Hockey Operations, Nick Russo. And we love your questions. We'll be doing this on another future show. So you can submit your questions online for Nick Russo. And on the next segment, he'll be happy to answer them. Nick, thanks for joining us. And hopefully we get closer and closer with those meetings and we get those icebreakers out there. Thank you, Angelo. You have a great week. You too. Well, we had a lot of fun today. We got to catch up with the off-ice officials, public address announcer Scott Tennant and official scorer Joe Knight. And then always fun to talk to general manager and director of hockey operations Nick Russo answering the Fanatics questions in the fan mailbox. Just looking ahead to next episode, uh, we're going to have another player interview for you. After that, we're going to have our first front office feature looking into some of the employees the icebreakers have and what they do on a daily basis. And we'll close out the show with another Coach's Corner segment. It'll be a great episode five that'll be coming up in two weeks from now. And we'll keep you posted as the season gets closer. But make sure you check out online the team store, all that great new merchandise, the coasters, the koozies, and everything in between. And, of course, the brand new Icebreakers collectible keepsake. You'll be able to reserve that now all at the team store and check out all the gear right there. And until next time, we'll see you all later.